This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, the preview show. So we are technically back. Maybe on Monday we'll be properly back, but I think this counts. It is a show, and it's a show that I happen to enjoy thoroughly. And I have to say, it's wonderful to be back amongst you all. And hello. Well, JK, I mean, you know, most of us have hardly left at all because we've been doing all these 50 years shows. But it's lovely to see you as always. It's great to be on the show with, once again, such esteemed company. And um, uh, I've got a really good... Um, energy bar here so uh i'm on fire yeah i'm holding a i'm holding my nuts obviously Uh, i'm obviously there we go knob gag early it wouldn't be the fan car so they are cashew nuts before you were questioning they were they what very big nuts they're big nuts yeah i like big nuts you know more than a handful's enough as they say anyway dan got some plums have you got plums dan no, 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 I haven't got plums, I've just got some wine. You've got some wine, there we go. Very so we, We've got the wonderful Dan Silver, as you've already figured out, on with us tonight. Uh, lovely to see you, Dan, of course. Obviously, I've seen you a little bit, but not enough over the summer. Yeah, absolutely brilliant to be back, and absolutely so excited for tomorrow. Yeah, I know, I can't wait. Um, and uh, last, but of course, by no means least, as everybody should know by now, we have uh, an esteemed journalist uh, with us for the first part of the Friday night preview show. And uh, we've got the wonderful Sam Incasol from Football.London. Evening, fellas. Happy new season to you all and to, uh, and to all the listeners. It's, uh, it's great to be back. And thanks, as always, for having me on. Always lovely to see you, Sam. And thanks for putting up with my uh, nonsense of a Friday that goes into your wonderful publication every week. Some people would call it a column. Uh, I will say no more than that because we've already had a few knob gags. I think I'll I'll quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mate, thanks for looking after me in the summer. I hope uh, actually I'm really quite pleased with how that over the line one went down last week. Actually, 
It did really well. Um, all of your columns have done well, to be honest, over the summer, Chief. People enjoy what you're reading, Good so job. keep it up, mate. And we're more than ha- we're more than happy to keep publishing them as well. So yeah, no, they've been they've been doing some good numbers for us over the summer. Excellent. So yeah, really appreciate it. And do you have an appreciation icon at the end of uh, your your um, uh, <laughs> the end of your uh, um, your columns? To use that word again in the magazine, so that we know that Chid just done well, or is it just a, a numbers thing? Um, I, I, I can take some screenshots off of our little, um, uh, off of our, off of our targets, and 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 I, I can actually get Chidge's targets himself for for the numbers that he does. I can sort it by author. So yeah, I can send a screenshot around at the end of every month and see how he's performing how compared to me, especially. <laughs> I can see, I can see how he's getting on. I thought you were going to take your picture of Chidge's column. Quit while we're ahead. I tell, he's, emba- he's embarrassing me, and I'm feeling very going red in the face. But it's lovely. Thank you, Sam. That's very kind of. You. You're very welcome. I mean, I really didn't. That I, it sounds like I teed that up for a bit of, you know, self congratulation. I was really just very delighted that uh, the over the line uh, piece, which I kn- knew was going to be very different from what I normally write, very esoteric, you know. And I and I and I, and I love you boys for actually letting me. Uh, so I, uh, what the listeners don't know is that I actually I'm in a WhatsApp group with with Adam and Sam, and I quite often tell them what I'm thinking about writing, you know. And I actually in effect, asked for their permission to do this piece because I knew how esoteric would be and I wasn't sure if it would go down well at all and I was delighted to see that it did. That's really... I wasn't angling for praise, honestly. So there we go. Anyway, enough of my embarrassment. We'll get on with the show. Yes, I know. Well done, JK. Well done. 1-0 to JK. <laughs> uh, that's what no. we call an early season goal, mate. Well no, done. No, I wasn't attempting to get you to score an own goal, Chip. I was, I was asking you to blow your own trumpet. I, well, I'm very, I hate doing it anyway. Anyway, enough, enough, enough. Now, talking of blowing trumpets, we've obviously got to talk first about uh, the fact... I mean, I love this stat that was coming out after the, uh, the Villarreal uh, Chelsea Super Cup final on Wednesday that we are now the only club to have won the Champions League the uh, Europa League, the Cup Winners' Cup, and now the Super Cup twice. Four cups twice. I think that's just... Wa- JK, we're making history again. I love it. It's, it just gets better and better, doesn't it, really? And I, on this, this, with this scale of uh, achievement, surely in another 10 years we'll have, um, we'll have done it so we're the only club to have won all those trophies four times, he said, being unbelievably optimistic. And uh, hoping that the others would agree with me, but nobody's. You never know. I mean, who? who well, no, there's like nod. You never know. Yeah. Well, yeah. cut with his cups void. So apart from that, we could do it. Yeah, yeah. that's true. True. Yeah. yeah. I've got, to get the, got to get the Club World Cup out of the way first. Oh. Dominate, dominated Europe and then you've got the Club World Cup in December. I, I remember having a conversation with you and Adam about this after we won the Champions League. I'm such a miserable git, actually. I mean, I remember the first thing I said after we won the Champions League is, well, we've only got as many European Cups as Forest now. Which is like incredibly miserable if you think about it. But the other thing is, is you're absolutely right, Sam. The one thing I want us to win more than anything else this season is the World Club Cup. Because Rafa, of course, norted it up so spectacularly. The only other chance we've had to win it. And you don't get the chance to win it very often. And then we have got a clean sweep. And I think that that would be joyous. I would love... I would... I would do you know what? I would... If, if we only won that this season... I would be happy, really. I really would. No, no, no. No, I would. I, that, it no. means that much to me, yeah? It does. Oh. Yeah. 
It does. Uh, well, jo- I think you're under underachieving. Well, maybe, maybe so. But I, I need to expunge the memory of Rafa Benitez from the soul of this club forever, and that's how we will do it. Well, let's just boo him enormously when he comes with Everton. Oh yeah, I can't wait for that. that that's the, yeah. that's in my diary already. Anyway, look, let's talk about the match because it was rather wonderful and important. Well, it wasn't really a wonderful match <laughs> at all. But yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, Sam is the only one of us three that was there. Um, I have to say, actually. You know, as with all finals, Sam, it's not about the performance. It's about coming home with the trophy. And I think, to be fair to them, it was it was so obvious, actually, how many of them were blowing out of their arse because they're clearly not match fit or match sharp yet. So I think there's a lot of mitigation. And I actually think, a bit like Tommy T said, it was, you know, w- with some mitigation in respect to that, it was fantastic, actually, that they had the, you know, the team spirit and the collective will to get over the line that they did actually yeah you took the words right out of my mouth really um it was good to see how Chelsea could actually really dig in and they did have to dig in because Villarreal were very good in that second half um in 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 Belfast Chelsea almost played them off the park in the first Villarreal came out fighting and they got and they've got a very good coach in Unai Emery I mean that he gets all that that stick from when he was at Arsenal but he is a very good coach um as we saw them on the Europa League last season but yeah Chelsea really had to dig in Kai Havertz was absolutely blowing after an hour uh, quite a few of them were and obviously quite a few players as well play far more minutes than than Tuchel intended uh, ahead of the, um, the Palace game this weekend um, and Gale Kante seemingly picked up a little bit of a problem as well as he said in this press conference earlier um, which is not good news but overall it's a trophy and it's a second European trophy in eight months for Thomas Tuchel who's just rejuvenated the club ever since he came in in, in January and he comes. He came. Whenever, whenever you ask him in press conferences, he always says this club has a winning mentality, a winning culture. You have to win when you come here. And he's now won two European trophies in the space of eight months. So the sky's the limit, really, for um, for two. Well, actually, well, he's already run the Champions League, so maybe not the sky's the limit. But there's so much more. I think that he can get out of this incredibly talented squad that he's got. That's now obviously got one of the best strikers in the world. Now added to it that. The, the sky maybe is the limit in that, it, that Chelsea could improve even more from what we saw in that last six months of last season, which was which was a hell of a ride from um, from January. Okay. The, I mean, it wasn't a, a remarkably talented squad when when Frank was was at the end of his of his uh, uh, reign. It was uh, it's Tuchel that's made them into this remarkably talented squad. One must never take one's eye off the ball with that completely genius, brilliant man management and tactical awareness has made players that we had all written off completely. I mean, uh, you know, we were just demanding they be transferred. All of them, sudden, specifically Jorginho, had a completely brilliant U- European um, uh, campaign. Rudiger uh, as well. Yeah, uh, as uh, absolutely. As, so it, it was, it's that, in a sense, he's, he's, He's one of the, the he's a, a kind of manager that every chairman uh, going back into the 50s and 60s and 70s always hoped they would get who could who could um, uh, transmute um, base metal into gold, you know, by his with his abilities. You know, Brian Clough was an obvious example, as was Shankly. And he's managed to do that in, you know, in just four months now. So I, I'm I'm. Um, I'm intrigued as to what he can get out of players. Once again, we've written off. I think Chalabar's involvement in the team has been an, an exceptional. I mean, I've just he was arguably man of the match on Wednesday, wasn't he? Fantastic, yeah. 
performance. Yes. Well, I thought the other man of the match. We've gone on to this. I didn't mean to segue into this. Oh no, we we must okay. segue into this. It was. Um, I thought Alonso was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Chelsea's best. Well. He was Chelsea's best attacker on the night. I think Alonso yeah. was. Yeah, but almost also even his defensively he seemed to get back a lot better. So, uh, and did he keep Chilwell out, or was that a fitness decision? Fitness. A fitness decision. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it was, um, and particularly the first of the other poor bloke who played absolutely out of his skin was Zayek, who uh, well, unfortunately let's, picked let's up. Pa- let's pause on Zayek for a moment because I do, I do yeah. want to pick up on that. But uh, Dan, I know you wanted to come in, mate. Yeah, I was going to say how much Tuchel's galvanised team spirit in the squad. You saw how much it meant to them, and Mendy and Kepa and the whole, everyone stayed together. And the best thing for Tuchel is he said that his family are now over from Germany, which is going to make a huge difference to him personally. You might just see him himself personally stuff at another level because he's got his family around him. And you saw how much it meant to him and his family after Champions League win. So, you know, I, I, I just think everything about him in, what, 31 games, he's just, he speaks so well. He gave Frank credit at that particular time. So if it wasn't for Frank, would it be here? He's kind of almost bought into this Chelsea ethos almost straight away. He understands what it is to be, as I said, at a club with a winning mentality and he's galvanised us and we really are. With Lukaku now, I just think it's... It's very, very, very exciting and lovely to be a Chelsea supporter at the moment. It's really interesting actually because I was doing some research for uh, Palace, you know, because we've got the we've got Hambo coming on later, and uh, I was looking one of one of the tweets of back of the nest and some survey. I I don't know who did it, but there was a survey on who are the most optimistic fans going into the season, and the reason they'd put it up is because Palace fans are the most optimistic apart from Chelsea supporters. So, but we have every reason to now. Um, let's pick up on this Zajic in- injury because I thought, Sam, that was just so unfortunate for him because it was a great goal he scored. I thought he was absolutely anonymous for about the first 20 minutes and I said so on our WhatsApp group, didn't I, JK? But yeah. Then he scores, a great goal, and then he suddenly came to life again. But what an unfortunate injury because, of course, he got injured against Brighton in a pre-season last year and that really hampered him, I think, throughout the season in terms of, you know, his performances, not his fitness. And now we've got it again. I feel so sorry for him. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Um, I think he's probably been Chelsea's best performer in pre-season outside maybe Trevor Chalabar. I think he's had a really good pre-season. But Ziyech has had a fantastic summer campaign. I think he scored five goals, I think it is, over the friendlies and intra-squad games that they've had. And he really forced his way into um, the reckoning for, for starting against Palace and being a Premier League regular for the first brutal six or seven games that Chelsea have got um, this season. It was so disappointing to see because, yeah, you, uh, you said he was a bit quiet, but... Um, once he got his goal, he was whipping crosses into the box, which Romelu Lukaku was going to absolutely feast on um, throughout the season if, if, if and when Ziyech comes back to fitness. Um, it was just, yeah, a big disappointment. And again, it seems like his Chelsea career so far has been a little bit stunted by niggling injury issues and maybe losing losing a little bit of form as a result and then having to take time to come back and then get himself fit again. Um, we can only hope that uh, this one's not too serious. Tuchel said that he could be back on the pitch within two or three weeks at his press conference. So that's good news and it doesn't need surgery. So hopefully um, he will be back soon. But will he get back in the team? Because there's so much competition in his spot, especially uh, at the club at the moment in that squad that it's not going to be a cakewalk for him to just walk back into the squad and, and, and walk back into the starting eleven. So, yeah, he's, he's still going to have to work pretty hard. But, yeah, fantastic pre-season. Just really disappointing that uh, injury came. And such an innocuous way as well in the collision with Juan Foyth. It was just very innocuous. It felt, awkward, felt, felt awkwardly. And, yeah, it was just really disappointing for him. You could, and you actually could, I really felt very sorry for him yeah, after that. It was really, really weird, wasn't it? But perhaps not as weird as the other 
noteworthy thing from the match, which was as the match. I mean, actually, to be fair, uh, J.K., I, I thought we 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 did our best to try and win that match uh, in extra and in 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 ninety minutes and and uh, the extra time. I think Villarreal basically once they got the equaliser played for penalties. So. You know, I hate the idea of penalties. And I did, again, in the WhatsApp group, I said, there you go, Chelsea have lost three Super Cup finals on penalties. That's making history. Nobody else has done that. And I did it reverse psychology, hoping that by saying that, in fact, actually, I'd reverse hex it and we would win. And so we did. But who, not not me for sure, expected JK Kepper to come on as a sub for Mendy specifically to save penalties? It was slightly out of the blue, wasn't it? But then it was revealed that it was deliberate and that they'd um, done all the statistical observations of him as a penalty, uh, as somebody keeping to, to, to penalties and is was um, way ahead of Mendy, apparently. So they just put him in. It's becoming more like um, uh, American NFL team players, isn't it? You just have somebody who's specifically good for something. So you bring him on. Um, and he did wonderfully and has... Um, done an enormous amount to redeem himself i have to say as a consequence it was uh it was quite remarkable um um i think if he'd come on and been completely crap i think it was <laughs> going to hide into nothing ah. did you think he would i mean come on be honest did no, you no did, i didn't no? i didn't i didn't i didn't fair enough i presumed that there's always the possibility he could have you know done a uh dimitri karin and then dived every r- r- dived the wrong way for every single penalty um, as we used to watch with great joy. Um, but um, uh, for those who don't know, Dimitri Karin, uh, Sam was um, Chelsea keeper in, uh, um, what was it? 1890. 90s, 90s. Yeah, 90s. Yeah, 90s. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no. He, he, he wore tracksuit bottoms, didn't he, he Dimitri did. Karin? He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had a great song. <laughs> Karin, Dimitri Karin, Dimitri Karin, Dimitri Karin. Oi! There you go. See? We've always got a song, Sam. You should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the new Kai Havertz one got a lot of uh, airtime. Yes. Um, I'm loving that a lot, actually. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. I'd love to know who, who came up with that, and they deserve a medal for that one. Um, Dan, I mean, like like me and JK, I mean, I, I have to say, I was, I was so delighted for Kepa after everything that he's been through that he yeah. he had his he had his personal moment of glory there but I'll tell you what mate you know something that was sticking in the back of my mind call me an old cynic but I was thinking you know at the time in the Man City League Cup final when he refused to come off and yeah. Willie Caballero was warming up I remember I, I turned around to Psycho Phil I said he's going to bring Willie on to do the penalties because Big Willie is way better than anybody at the club at saving penalties, yeah. right? And Phil said, yeah, yeah, I reckon you might be right. And then it all kicked off, didn't it? Because Kepa refused to come off. And then afterwards, everybody denied it. Everybody, I bet you anything you like, that was their plan then, you know? So interesting turnaround, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I think 100% there was a plan. I mean, I know Kepa went down, he thought it might be time-wasting, then he wouldn't go off. But it was def- definitely the plan. I don't think Sari had the dressing room under control. As any strong manager said, Kepa, right, you're off. Because the referee said to Kepa, so he said to him, sorry, join him off. And he said, yes, and still, mate. But no, it's great for Kepa. He's had, a, he's had a really tough two years. You know, his first season, he did okay under under Sarri, won at Europa Cup. And then under Frank, with no defence, he just got beaten by every shot. I think he had some personal issues as well, which probably affected him. But it was so good to see him happy and smiling and ingratiating with the squad. And actually, weirdly, just as a kind of off at a tangent slightly, when the United signed David De Gea, 
at a similar age. It took him three years, three and a half years, before he became a very good goalkeeper. So they signed him as a skinny 22-year-old from Atletico, and then suddenly he bulked up and became a really, really top goalkeeper. So may, maybe kept with a seven-year deal with a view to maybe he will become the potential. They're going to keep him on then. Ball. They're going to keep him on, Dan, and wait until they he can't, de- no one will take him develops. Down. Nobody will buy him. I know what even no. Divine. But if, if he books. turns out to be De Gea in a year's, eighteen yeah. months' time, then no one's going to complain. Well, he's, he's got, he's got, he's got to get in though, Dan and Mendy. That's I'm a, sorry, well, Mendy yeah. is. I'm afraid on the evidence that I've seen yeah. with my own two eyes, he is much better keeper. But there you yeah, go. No, no doubt. Right, no I'm going to, I'm going to move it on because we've got a couple of really important things to talk about. Um, um, one of them is going to heavily involve you, Dan, on the on the M8, the Matthew Harding lower shambles because I know you've been front and center on that with the trust. But before yeah. we do that, I just want to. Uh, you know, talk to Sam about the arrival, the arrival even of Lukaku, because these poor boys all summer, like Adam and and Sam and Liam and Simon Johnson, all our other mates in, who write in the media, have have been like chasing their tails all summer about who the bloody hell Chelsea are going to be signing, and getting loads of grief from us saying, "Oh, you all make it up. It's all a load of bollocks," you know. But you've got one right, Sam, and and he's, he is definitely coming. And and tell tell me about it from your perspective. Well, it's pretty simple and straightforward in that it fills a gap that was sorely needed to be filled by by Chelsea after we saw what last season under under Tuchel in that last six months goal scoring was an issue, creating chances wasn't, but um, goal scoring was. Obviously, Kai Havertz being deployed as a false nine, it worked on some occasions, it didn't work on others, but Chelsea needed that elite goal scorer to push them over the top and they've now signed one of the best strikers in the world. Um, it's, up for, it's up for debate who is the best in the world. You've obviously got Erling Haaland, Robert Lewandowski, Harry Kane, uh, and Lukaku's certainly in that mix. So if you're going to... And, and you have to pay the big money to get that, hence Chelsea break, smashing their club record fee to sign him. Um, but if you want the best, you have to pay the best money. And that's what they've done. And the, the biggest thing is, is that Chelsea are quite clearly needed a striker. They've gone out and got a striker. And... But there are some people that you, you could probably put them in the equation among title favourites this season. But I think now that you've got Lukaku in there, you can firmly put them in that equation that they'll be up there as, as, as title favourites. Tuchel just said earlier on that he doesn't believe they are because they finished fourth last season. But when you bring in someone with the ilk of Lukaku at 28 in the prime of his career, scored goals for fun at Inter, at a club he loves and knows already as well, which is a massive thing as well. It's... Just a great move all round. Um, and I think, yeah, with, with a manager that wants him as well, Lukaku strikes me as a player that wants to be, essentially wants to be loved by his manager. Um, that's arguably why he left Manchester United when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer seemed to go more towards uh, Anthony Martial, um, that Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, kind of that 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 front three there. Um, and he was forced out, essentially. So, yeah, it's, it's a great move for Chelsea. It's a, well, it's not great, it's a brilliant move for Chelsea. They've addressed an area that they had to this summer, and I can only see it paying massive dividends. Uh, in the He'll bag at least 20 goals this season, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'll be very honest with you. You know, I, 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 I didn't really, I didn't like, I didn't like his attitude. I mean, it's so hard to say because we weren't there and we don't really know, and we all know how toxic Mourinho became. But I, I didn't like the fact that missing that penalty in, ironically, the Super Cup final against Bayern, and he just kind of bottled it really and wasn't prepared to fight for his place. And I didn't like that. And I, at the time, even when he was at Everton and West Brom and United, I still thought he was a bit of a flat track bully, that he doesn't have a very good touch and all of this kind of thing. But I'd be honest, you know, I, I, I won't say I was wrong, but I will certainly say that 
he is a different player now to the one that left us. Uh, I mean, he is absolutely right. I totally agree with you, Sam. He's definitely one of the top in the top five strikers in the world. Um, and he's at the peak of his powers at the moment, and I think it's an excellent buy. Here's an interesting stat for you, boys, because I know how much you love stats, right? Last season, Man City scored 83 goals, and we scored 58. So if Romelu Lukaku scores 20, we'll be five goals behind them. So he, I'm with Sam on this, Dan, I think he, he could make the difference next season for us. 100%, I think he's a missing piece of the jigsaw, because what, what, what we needed. And also going back to your point about flat-track bullies, we struggled so much last season against inferior teams therefore if we have got a flat track bully problem solved I don't yeah. care if he's score against City or Liverpool but if he gets two goals against Palace or two goals against Southampton it'll give us the three points who cares Spot that's what on. we're lacking he's on. physically he's in, the, he's, he's in the Viali Hughes mould for me which is he he sees the goal and he has a he has a dip and he's got a decent yeah. shot and he's going to get so much service from like Reese and Bench yeah. Newell and players like that. I think he's. I think he's going to be massive. I think he could even hit thirty goals this season. I think he's going to be wow. huge. Physically, however, superb. However, <laughs> what? Merchant of Doom, Jonathan Kidd. Oh, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a very good um, uh, European champ- uh, European championship. Did good. He? he went home he early. Be nice and fit. He's not English. He's, he plays with Belgium. He good. scored. He scored a few times. He scored a few good goals there, J.K. But Belgium didn't have a very good tournament, did they? That's yeah. what I mean. They weren't very squad, good. Squad games. But um, no, don't you feel that the uh, the whole the whole picture would be better served with a, another midfielder? I think we definitely yes. need a player. I mean, from what you have even even, even Tuchel himself said, we're scouting someone. Did you hear I mean, him say that? Sam, is there other irons in the fire? I think. Aurelian Chiumeni is probably one um, they're looking at from Monaco because Declan Rice is looking very unattainable um, this summer. No surprise in that because he, he's going to cost, he'll probably well, he'll need break track Chelsea's transfer record again if they wanted to sign him yeah. this summer. So I think Chiumeni, who's very raw, don't get me wrong, but he basically played 36 games, I think, for Monaco last season, the only, uh, out of 38, and the only two he missed was because he, sus- he was suspended for them. Um, there is interest there in him. I think he'd be a fantastic signing. I also think Declan Rice would be a brilliant signing if they could get that deal over the line. But West Ham don't need to sell as simple as that. So yeah. that's very unlikely. But they yeah, true. Part exchange players, we gave him like two or three players. Would they actually consider it? I think they, I, I, maybe, maybe, but I'd be very surprised. That I think that if they were to even entertain the idea, they want a hundred million pounds worth, if not more worth of either cash or you know, cash and players. I don't think he's their best player. I'd be very surprised if they'd entertain a, um, if, they, if they would actually entertain a, a player exchange. I don't think yeah. they dare to because their fans would revolt. We can always give them back a Yoko. Well, you know, I'm sure they'd love back a Yoko, wouldn't they? Now, listen, I'd love to do a whole, uh, I've kind of dropped a ball here, really, haven't I? <laughs> We should have got got Sam on and or, or Adam on on a Monday show, which I failed to do actually. But because uh, we could have a real proper chat ever, ever all season. Well, no, not not at the moment. That's all at the moment. Oh, okay. I'm trying to give you guys a go for God's sake. They always oh, come in on a Friday because that's the whole point. But anyway, enough. We need, we really need to talk about what's been happening the last two days. Of course, in typical style, in, in terms of my recent involvement in the trust. When anything huge erupts, I am otherwise engaged. And yesterday, I was otherwise engaged, sitting in the grandstand at the wonderful home of cricket, which is Lords, watching England being utterly outclassed by India. 
I was there today, Chidge. I thought you might have been. You had a good day today. I mean, me and Simon had to basically grit our teeth and and applaud the fact that the Indians are rather good at cricket whilst we're rather shit. But anyway, as I was doing that, I fanned about on my phone as one does in dull moments of play to find out that there's an absolute shambles going on with Matty Harding uh, lower and basically... Uh, the trust obviously got involved and released a statement saying how annoyed they were, amongst other things. And then, of course, today we've got the final confirmation from Chelsea at three o'clock this afternoon that 908 supporters who have already bought tickets for the Matthew Harding lower will no, not not be able to go tomorrow because the uh, rail seating that they've been installing over the summer, which is a great thing. I mean, I, the irony of this was I was, as Sam knows, I was going to be doing this great piece on how bloody brilliant it is to have rail seating at Stamford Bridge. I, I've in, I did a, an hour-long interview with John Darch, who was the leading campaigner on it and has been for 16 years. I spoke to people at the club as well, and I had to bin the whole flaming lot and write this excoriating piece on Chelsea and their incompetence, uh, which Sam will get sometime tonight and probably will need to get his lawyers to check. No, I've, I've, I've tried to be fair and even-handed about it. But the bottom line is, is that uh, they haven't finished... Uh, putting the rail seats in, largely because of uh, supplier chain issues, which, of course, is a, is a problem generally in manufacturing at the moment in this country. And I do have sympathy with them for that. But that's pretty much where it stops, Dan. Where are you and the trust on this at the moment? I mean, Kevin McCullough, I mean, you think a billion-pound company would have some sort of contingency plans or maybe said the Premier League, can we have an away game first just in case? It's just been absolute disaster this is blame who you want ultimately you've employed a contractor who's had issues also with walls and a couple other clubs to complete a job or give a deadline they haven't done it you know 906 supporters could they park them elsewhere they're still selling corporate tickets they just really have this so so bad they should have said to the premier league must have the away game first just in case the work's not done because liverpool when they had their standard i think their first three games away from home so there, there has been you know that kind of thing in the past but there's a lot, a lot of the Chelsea fans help people out. I've seen all over Twitter people have been finding tickets here, there, and everywhere. You know, Mark Meehan managed to sort out a pair for him and his daughter. So it, it is happening, but the, the club's just been so like ambivalent about their responses. You know, offering these half-assed apologies and we re- we regret this, we regret that. Say so we'll give you tickets for this, that, the other. People have like flown down from Scotland. They've flown from here. They've flown from there. They should have had a clue about this two weeks ago, I believe. Because not something that happens. Because we were there last week with um, on the trust, having a look at what's around. And even then, they were adamant at the time that it was going to be finished, and it hasn't been. And doing it at five o'clock on a three o'clock time on a Friday, it's way too late. They should have called this on Wednesday, at least give people a chance to sort of you know make alternative arrangements. And they should also have been sharing the the corporate tickets around for one game, the goodwill they've got just by saying, well, you know what, you guys can come here, you guys can come here. Just an utter mess. And it's. It's the first game for a lot of people since March of last year. So it's hugely important. It's a full house at Stamford Bridge, European champions, start of a new season. People haven't been for like 18 months. Everyone's been through the mill with the whole COVID stuff. And to make such an utter, utter fuck up is, is inexcusable. Mm. Well, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm, I'm going to keep my powder dry because it's all going in the uh, piece for Sam later tonight and uh, it's it's a cracker you'll love it so uh, I'm, I'm you know just we're trying to get them to read it sam you know teasing it here a bit but sam well i mean you know you have a slightly different perspective than we all do i suspect so i'd like be interested to hear where you're coming from on this 
I mean, yeah, look, I mean, it, 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 it's disappointing because, as Dan rightly said, it's the first time that some people will have been, some fans will have been back for 18 months to, to Stamford Bridge. And it's probably a moment that they've been waiting for ever since the fixtures were announced um, and, well, since March last year. So, yeah, it's incredibly disappointing. Um, nine up was it? I think it was 908, was it? Um, uh, seats that won't be there, so it won't quite be a full Stanford Bridge, but yeah, it's it's just a shame. I think, um, you can't sometimes you can't legislate for um, things overrunning, these things happen. Um, but I think contingency plans probably should have been put in place. But yeah, as I say, there's there's nothing there's nothing really I can add to it apart from yeah, it's just it's just it's just disappointing. I think yeah. for the for, obviously for those ones that um, have bought tickets and can't go. Oh, absolutely right. I mean, J.K. My my feeling was you know you and I we worked in show business, love haven't we for years and years and years. And there is a term that we use called the show must go on. And I remember when I used to make TV programs. Non-delivery was never an option. You did whatever you had to do to get the damn thing on air. And the I, phrase, the phrase that I would use is "what a complete fuck up." Yeah. Other than show must go on, but yeah. But you know um, what I mean. I mean, non-delivery is not yeah, an yeah. option in our business. So yeah, why yeah. does why should they get away with it? And why aren't they trying to reallocate these or relocate these supporters in other areas in the ground where there might be seats free? Or even you know, you and I both know that a lot of the corporate hospitality boxes are never all taken up they should well, in, in, in fact the whole of the uh, the west stand uh, the middle is rarely full the seats are rarely full they could easily have accommodated them there and in fact i bet it's the same tomorrow with the, the on the row where abramovich is because all those boxes um uh they, they actually advertised them as offices originally as well you could have your office and watch the game at the same time as part of the deal but i know for a fact that they are rarely there's rarely anybody in them in that. It's just the one above the um, the, the, the the middle tier. There's rarely anybody there. So uh, I, I'm slightly confused. If they're worried about security or they're worried about... Well, the move niche, the Westview people in there. Yeah, indeed. We'll move them and then move them around. Yeah. So it's, it's very easily done. Um, I can't think of what's the mindset at the moment that's going on there with it. I'm, I'm bemused. Uh, all I know is I, I went there the other, the other week... Um, and the, the seat, they were all outside and they, they whether they had a, a problem with actually the people um, with, with the fitters or something, I don't know. It was very peculiar to see the very pile of things that I'd seen two weeks ago um, used in a photograph for saying here they all are and they're not they haven't been put in yet. Mm. It actually happened at Lords as well, didn't it, Chid, for the New Zealand match as yeah. well. So perhaps there's a there is well there is a I mean problem I, I, with, with getting fitters to put yeah. these particular seats in. Well, co- COVID being pinged and Brexit have created massive, massive disruption to the supply yeah. chain in yeah. terms of materials and labour, and it's niche labour. Yeah. Final yeah. final word to Dan because we're we're over time and I've got Chris waiting. So just, final word for you, Dan. Two very quick points. JK's point: they had daily deliveries, so or, or you might have seen a fresh delivery. So every day they had deliveries coming in from wherever it was. So that might have just been a a repeat of the uh, situation. Oh, okay. And what would be great, just my final point is, if some of the sponsors or players gave up some tickets, that would be, won't happen, but it'd be incredible for, you know, like as piece of like, it's a hundred tickets from the players, yeah. you know, whatever, or the sponsors, just be great PR for them all. And, you know, but anyway, listen, it's, it's such a shame for everyone. We're not going to, well, we're going to be missing 900 supporters. They've shot themselves in the foot massively, but there'll be more on this. As I said, I am doing a piece for Sam and football.london after I finished the, done, done most of it, got to finish it off after the show. So uh, I've gone, gone to town on various angles of this. So there we go. Um, Sam, as well, how delightful to see you again. It's been far too long. It's lovely having you back with us on the preview show. And uh, now you're going to bugger off and not come back until somewhere in September. 
How does this Sorry happen? About that. I've actually got I've actually got a holiday booked with Jubilee, so hopefully as long as long as uh, as everything stays as is, then uh, hopefully I'll be actually going away for a for a couple of weeks, which would be nice. It's been a it's been a long few months since uh, since been able to do a well, long year, pretty much. Yeah. Been that. But as always, thank you very much for for giving me the airtime and thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure, Sam, and I think you've really earned your break. So have a lovely time when you do go away, and we will see you back sometime in September. I look forward to that. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Brilliant. There you go. Sam Incasol from Football.London. Uh, right, we'll be back in a second or two with our opposition view with the uh, wonderful Chris Hambling from Back of the Nest, a big Palace fan. We'll see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast preview show, the Friday night preview show with me, Stanford Chidge, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Boop. Lovely to be here. And the uh, ever so lovely Dan Silver. Hello. And now it is time for this The Opposition View. That's right, Opposition View, first of the season. And I'm delighted to welcome back for the first time this season the lovely Chris Hambling from Back of the Nest. How are you, Chris? Fantastic, thanks, Chidge. Uh, very much looking forward to, to chatting with you guys and um, very much looking forward to a very different Palace this year, I have to say. Well, we, we, we name-checked you and it uh, earlier on in part one, actually, because I, I was whizzing through the back of the nest Twitter uh, earlier on and 
you put up some piece. I don't know what it was or where it came from, but it was a survey of supporters that revealed that, uh, apart from Chelsea supporters, Crystal Palace supporters are the most optimistic in the land for this season. <laughs> is this true? Yeah, it is. And I think it's a reflection on um, on how the last couple of years, at, at least, have gone for us. Uh, things had gone incredibly stale under under Roy Hodgson. And, you know, I think neutrals looking in will, will be probably more appreciative and respectful of the job he did for us than we are because the last two years have been very very hard to watch you know you guys have all been there you know when you when you're turning up each week watching your team or in the case that we haven't been apt to turn up and watch our team but when you're seeing the same thing every week you know you can predict the lineup before it's announced um you know exactly how the game's going to go you know if we go a goal down that's it all that kind of stuff and it became a, a, a real grind for us so whilst you know, we're really happy now. Now Roy's gone, we can kind of look back and say what a great job he did st- stabilising us for as long as he did. What a fantastic man he is. And we don't have to kind of hate what he does at the club anymore. Um, and it doesn't mean that we're looking at, at Vieira as someone who's going to come in and wave a magic wand. And we don't understand the risk because there's massive risk with this level of change. But it's something different. And, and most importantly, it's somebody talking about playing positively. It's somebody talking about creating chances and scoring goals. And, you know, having that as a primary focus is, um, you know, it just feels like a, it feels like a new dawn for us. Mm, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously Vieira is the first, obvious first point to start. Um, I mean, he's a huge name in football, as we all know. He's a, a fantastic player, uh, if you're an Arsenal supporter anyway. <laughs> but... Um, you know, he's still rel- relatively, he's still a relative novice in, in management. I mean, he was at Nice last season, wasn't he? And I think he, yeah. he got them to 11th, but they, there was, a, there was a, a bit of criticism about that he hadn't actually taken them on to the level that, they, that he thought they would. Do you, is he a gamble for Palace, do you think? Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, part of the reason he's got the job, if his name wasn't Patrick Vieira, you, you know, you do wonder whether or not uh, that appointment would have been made. He, he certainly wasn't first choice. There were, you know, there were... A couple of others, um, you know, Nuno Espirito Santo originally um, before he got the, the nod for Tottenham. Um, and then I've forgotten the other one. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Two others before him. Um, but ultimately, that the, the pull of his name has already had an impact on our um, on our transfer business. You know, I know for, you know, for, for, for one that, you know, Michael Elisa, who we've signed from Reading, was was, you know, umming and ahhing about joining Palace and then Vieira became manager and it was a really quick decision. Um, I think, you know, when you've seen players like Joachim Anderson come in, they decent money, uh, Mark Gay from, from yourselves as well joining us. You know, they've all straight away talked about the pull that Vieira has. So whilst it is a massive gamble, we are already seeing the benefits of having somebody who, you know, reached legendary status in the game and, and you know, won, won all the big things. Yeah, Dan? Yeah, just kind of looking at Palace, and obviously you've got Eze's out until Christmas, I believe. Where, mm-hmm. where are the goals going to come from? Because obviously Benteke is not prolific, and it's a hard, doesn't really tend to get more than like 10 goals a season. Where's, mm-hmm. Where do you think your, your goals will come from this season? Well, first and foremost, it is it's definitely an issue uh, and, and, and one we've been trying to fill uh, over the course of the transfer window and getting a another out-and-out striker in there because... Now, whilst you know it's interesting you talk about Benteke, it kind of went under the radar that he finished the season with ten last year, last yeah. year after scoring nothing for three and a half <laughs> years, you know. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, you know, there was a shift to basically real basic stuff: getting the ball in the box, crossing to Benteke's head, for example. Yeah. You know, one of the best headers in the game. You know, wins so many aerial challenges, and if you give him a you know a headed chance in the penalty area, 
likely is going to put it away. So all of a sudden, the, the shift to that, uh, as Roy kind of knew his time was up and, and took the shackles off a bit, you know, he was a different man at the end of last year. So I think start of the season, you know, we are relying on Benteke and Zaha to score the goals. Um, so that's where Vieira's comments about chance creation come in. We weren't really creating enough under Roy Hodgson for, for anybody to, to, to succeed. And if you look at his time at the club, um, you can actually trace Benteke's complete drop-off as a, as a footballer, let alone a goal scorer, uh, to, to, Roy's, to Roy's management style. You know, Did he and, cramp Zahar as well, do you think, Chris? 100%, yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting. They moved Zahar around a lot to try and, you know, find a way of freeing the, the, the responsibility to defend from him. Um, so he plays played central in his best football under Roy. But, you know, we kind of lost the system there. You know, Roy's 4-4-2 with Zaha up, up alongside a Benteke or, or a Batshuayi or someone like that just wasn't effective. You know, the central midfield was way too weak. So we lost the ability to create chances in that formation. Uh, so any time Wilf scored, he had to do it on his own. So, And when we switched to the 4-3-3, which Vieira's employing now in, in pre-season, you know, Wilf's had to do all the defensive work down the left side. And, and in particular, covering Patrick Van Arnholt is a full-time job for anybody because he doesn't know how to play left-back. You know, he, he just wanders all around the pitch. He's now departed for Galatasaray. So we've got a bit more of a reliable full-back in, uh, in Tyreek Mitchell now. So. Chris, who else has gone? I mean, loads, loads. So Gary Cahill's gone, obviously. Um, wanted a two-year deal on big money and we weren't prepared to go, so he's gone. Scott Dan, um, former club captain, uh, as Captain gone Dan. This week. <laughs> yeah, um, Andrus, he's a Andrus, decent player. Has he gone? Where's he gone to? Do you know? He hasn't got a club yet. I mean, rumours really? are born, rumours are Bournemouth, um, and he's he's right. had fitness issues the last few years, but still oh, a really yeah. good player. Um, we've lost Andros Townsend um, on, on a free, yeah. um, and then a few, you know, a few fringe players like Connor Wickham, who's who's been injured for yeah. eight years or something. Yeah. Um, you know that kind of that kind of uh, player we've lost as well. But um, yeah, a fair few, fair few of the the first team squad have, have not signed yeah. on for new deals. So big big changes. Do you think Wolf will stay, or will he go if White Money comes in? I mean, he's you know he's very keen to go. Uh, yeah. And if somebody comes in and, and bids what we want for him, which I think is probably a lot lower than it has been in previous years, there's only yeah. two years left on that deal now, and he's you know he's he's approaching twenty nine. Um, so there's probably a high chance that he would go with a decent bid of around 40 mil, something like that. But he actually looks a lot happier, uh, you know, in training and, and around the club. Now Vieira's in charge. Mm. Okay, well, can I just uh, um, kind of come in with this one? Because we really can't, as Chelsea supporters, not, not talk to Chris about the fact that, well, I mean, Chris, we were, we were I think a lot of us were gutted that uh, you, you actually signed Mark Gay let alone got him on loan. I'm, I'm, I quite approve of Connor Gallagher going out on on loan uh, to a Premier League. So, I mean, he was at West Brom last season, did pretty well uh, because I think he's a superb player, Connor Gallagher. But Mark Gahey, considering that we'd let go of uh, Fikayo Tomori as well, was astonishing. And I mean, I, we're getting a lot of this at the moment with Chelsea, young Chelsea players who are kind of looking at who's in the squad now and thinking, no, I, I want to play football, so I'm going somewhere else. So I think you've you've bought yourself a huge, huge asset in Mark Gahey and a very good loan signing in Conor Gallagher. But what do you think? I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, Gallagher, um, you know, I wanted him last year when we suddenly changed our mind and went for Batshuayi instead. Um, I just thought Wrong that was... Wrong choice. 
massively wrong choice. And um, and, and Batshuayi, you know, whatever his faults, was never going to succeed under Roy. I think the season before when he was on a short loan with us, you know, the the actual goals he got was were a bit misleading. You know, generally he was missing in all of the games uh, and picked up and put a, you know put a few chances away. But again, you know, Roy Ball wasn't going to create much for him. So I thought it was massively the wrong choice. We needed that mobility in the midfield. Uh, and most of all, that you know, those quick feet. He's got such sharp feet, turns so quickly. You know, he's able to transition play so quickly through the middle. I think he's a fantastic signing. Would love him permanently, but I think you're right to to, to keep hold of him for for the time being. Um, and as for for Mark Gay, we didn't expect it. I'll be honest with you. You know, we saw rumours of being linked and just assumed it was a loan. You know, player with a with a big reputation that's that's growing all the time. So when we when we spent the money to bring him in, I mean, it was pretty clear from that we expected to lose quite a few people from the centre of defence because I forgot to mention Mama Sacco had gone as well. So, you know, we've lost three very experienced, very accomplished centre-halves. Um, and we spent all the last year playing Chait Coyote in there as well. So bringing in someone like Mark Gay, who's he's got a huge reputation uh, and, and, you know, won the Under-17 World Cup with England, knows a few of our young lads as well. Um, and, and seeing the little bits we have in, in terms of pre-season, he's going to fit in so well. And it's so important because Vieira is adamant that we're going to play football from the back. And if you try to do that with a defence from last season, we'd have failed massively. Well, we that, still might. That's why Gary Cahill got flogged to you guys, because the, I think it was Sarri who decided that Gary Cahill wasn't actually a footballer. And the fact that he'd won everything in the game for us didn't actually count for much. But there we go. Um it's an interesting point you make because you're right, aren't you? You know, you've got a lot of youngsters that have come in, which you know I I love to see. You know, certainly in Chelsea, but it doesn't it doesn't always work. I mean, because you you know, Chris, you've watched football like we have for years. You know, youngsters can be brilliant one week and then average the next. They're, they're you know incredibly inconsistent. So does that does that worry you a bit that you've got such a lot of youngsters in the team at the moment and not a lot yeah. of experience? Yeah, massively. Um, you know, we've lost we've lost leaders, we've lost experience, and you know we've got some very very good young players. And you know, I'll, I'll mention a, a a lad we actually got from yourselves a while back. He was released from you, Jezrin Raksaki. Um, he's he's he joined us, had a really quiet first season in the academy, and just exploded last year. And you know, he plays the game very much like Zaha. Um, and he really, you know, he's, he is shaping up to be our Zaha replacement. And um, I think he'll play a bit this year and, and surprise a few. But yeah, when you look across the team and you see that youth in there, we were desperate under Hodgson for him to take a gamble on some of these players. You know, he was playing players out of form, out of position, just because they were senior players. And he even admitted as much in interviews, he would say, I can't pick a young player over a senior player. I'd make them angry. And you're just like, you know, thanks, thanks for that. So when he's like, oh, they haven't got the experience. It's like, well, how do they get that experience then, Roy? How do they get Premier League experience if a manager doesn't play them in the Premier League? So Vieira's come in and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to blood them. But I think he's he's also talking, you know, fairly realistically about the fact that it won't be every week, and they're going to be they're going to be used sparingly. But right now, with the squad that we've got, we're probably two or three away from being what I would consider to be regularly competitive for the exact reason that you say, you know, if we rely on the people that we've got, you know, a few injuries here, a few suspensions there, um, you know, a few players missing for other reasons, like we've got against yourselves uh, coming up, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to be in real trouble um, in, in a few games. So um, I have nerves. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, where, where, where do you think, you know, what are your expectations of this season then? Because I mean, well, you're, you're, you're very optimistic according to this survey. So <laughs> I want to know how optimistic. 
Yeah, um, I, I'm optimistic that we'll we'll do better than last year, but um, that, that's, that's where my optimism lies. I have to say, I think we're going to really struggle at the start of the season. New manager, new players trying to bed in. We've got a horrible first seven games. We really have. I mean, we're, we're starting with you guys, which is not great, uh, but we've got a really, really tough opening few games. And I can see us... If we're not going to be, if we're not bottom, we'll be there or thereabouts in the first seven. So we've got to really stay the course there. But I honestly think it will come together. Um, I think January will be really important in kind of bringing a couple more uh, faces in. And I think pushing top 10, I think, you know, that's what I want. I'm not expecting Europe this year. A few people are <laughs> with some of the, uh, the investment that we've, that we've made already and the rumoured investment coming. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be happy if we're, if we're pushing around the top 10 for me. Fair enough. Now, uh, about tomorrow, uh, Chris, um, you know, I, I think it's so hard. I mean, we're going to have to do this ourselves in part three, try and predict what's going to go on. And it's impossible. I mean, you know, Palace have got obviously a new manager. You've got lots of different players. You know, we've got um, we've had a, a kind of a really weird preseason. And I mean, I don't know if you, you happen to watch the Super Cup final. I wouldn't have expected you to, but most of our players seem to be blowing out of their arse. And then, you know, those that have hardly had any preseason have ended up having to play extra time. So Lord knows what kind of state we're going to be in uh, tomorrow. But what about Palace? I mean, where do you think you could cause us problems? I think, again, the, the problems are going to come from the obvious places. You know, Wilfred Zaha um, and, and, you know, hoping that Benteke continues to be resurgent and leads the line and, and gives your centre-back some problems. Um, you know, at the moment, right side, I'm expecting Jeffrey Schlupp to play out there, maybe, because uh, we don't really have, we haven't replaced Townsend yet. Um, and I don't see us surprising you with, with Raksaki starting or anything like that. Um, so it really just depends on, you know, the, the sort of critical area of central midfield. And, and the reason that's critical is obviously Gallagher can't play against you. Um, and Luka Milivojevic won't be there, our captain, because... Of, of personal reasons, he's, he's and we're not expecting to see him for a while um, because of a, a family issue that he's had. So we're actually very thin on the ground in central midfield. So it'll probably be some, probably be Jairo Riedeveld and, and James MacArthur starting in the middle, um, and with Schlupp the other side of him. And then, I, then I start to struggle as to what we're going to do. So I think as an attacking force, we're we're going to find it problematic against you and. And I'm not sure we're quite organised enough to uh, to hold you off yet. So I, I honestly don't want to be negative, but I think it's um, it's a good time to play us. Even if you struggled pre-season, I think we're not going to know exactly um, you know how to play against you with with the players that we got right now. Is Anderson in the frame? He is. Yeah, he's trained for for about a week now. Um, so he had a very decent season at Fulham actually last year. Decent player, yeah, superb pass with the ball, and um, he loves yeah. a long diagonal. So it'd be like having Damien Delaney back for us. So can't wait for that long diagonal ball to Christian Benteke. Nods it down for Wilf. I think that might be our route for for that for that game. I look for a resurgence of Zaha. I think Zaha a few seasons ago was exceptional when he was being linked to so many other clubs, and um, and I just haven't quite seen it. You see bits of, you see elements of it, and he gets very frustrated. I've always thought he was a really talented player. He just needs an environment where this may be the one this season. This mm. may be it. As I said before, he didn't didn't flourish un, under under Roy at all. No, Whereas, not at all. Uh, uh, if somehow he's given it an opportunity, I, I I hope that he gets back to his best because he's he was an exhilarating player three seasons ago. Blimey! Excellent. Yeah, I mean it's about having somebody who wants to get the best out of him. You know, I think he's had the 
the mantra from Hodgson, which and it has helped him to some degree, but the mantra of it's all about the team, it's not about you, you know, yeah. do the do yeah. the work first, which is great advice for a for a kid, but for a you know for a player in his prime years with that talent, I think it's been a waste. And you know, he's, he's had some hostility from Palace fans as well as as well as away fans for his attitude on the pitch because he's cut a very disconsolate figure at times. He's got angry openly with teammates and teammates and coaches. Uh, but that's because he demands such high standards. Mm. Okay, Chris, um, what worries you about Chelsea for tomorrow's match? I mean, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from everything. everything yeah. Apart from everything. Um, you know, I think we played, obviously, the couple of times we played you last season, um, you know, early doors, you were obviously still a Lampard team, um, but still worked us over pretty well um, and, and just took advantage of our weaknesses. Uh, and then, obviously, later in the season, you know, sim- similar. Um, I just think that the talent you have in your squad is is immense. Um, you know, Havertz worries me. I think he's a he's a really quality player. I don't know how consistent he is. I don't I don't see enough of Chelsea to to say whether he's consistently brilliant. But I thought he was superb against us. Um, and you know, again, the physical size of the of the lad as well. Just you know, for for someone with that much talent to be that that stature as well, he, you know, he's the sort of player that tends to do well against, uh, you know, certainly the aging lineup we had last year. So it's a bit of an unknown for me. I mean, but I, but the quality you have, I think we've looked really ropey um, at set pieces pre-season. So you know, Mount's got great delivery on him, and you've got people across that team who can put a great ball in the box. Um, you know, Chilwell if he's playing left side, quality cross on him. You know there's a lot of opportunity there for you to hurt us. And, you need and someone to get on the end of it, though, Chris. That's the trouble. Yeah, I guess that. I mean, I, you know, I guess that might be the case. And obviously, Lukaku deal, not quite um, not quite finalised in time. So, um, yeah. So, I, I don't know who will be playing up front for you. Well, that, that 4-1 back in April, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Havertz, Chris, because I, I think a lot of us would, would think that that was the game where Havertz really kind of looked like the player that we'd bought because he'd, he'd mm. struggled a lot during the season. He was late arriving, then he got COVID. So he wasn't really right for quite a while. And then, of course, you know, he went from Frank Lampard to, to Tuchel. But that was the match, I think, he really, you know, stamped his name on, on Chelsea because he got a couple of goals, I think. But he was, as you mm. said, Chris, he was outstanding. And, I mean, you know, where he's gone from there, I mean, scoring the winner in the Champions League final, and he, he, he looks the real deal to me. So... I, I I think he can score. I'm, I've got no worries about that. But uh, I do agree, uh, you know, with Jonathan and the boys. We need a striker, and sadly, the one we've bought won't be able to play for you to uh, for play for us against you uh, tomorrow, which might do you a favour. But we shall see. How how do you see it going, Chris? What well, give us a prediction? I'm going to go with a uh, with a healthy two nil for you. Um, you know, <laughs> I have to say, and that's just me being generous. My head's going a bit all over the place with it. Hart says, you know. Vieira masterclass and we uh, we uh, we outthink you and we outplay you and fantastic but you know head is very much overruling that and I think it'll be relatively comfortable for you I think only the only factor will be you know match fitness who who's the sharpest and if if we're a bit sharper than you that there might be a way into the game for us that my friend is what worries me um, but I shall be talking about that with the chaps in part three but uh before that, we need to say thank you so much, Chris. Lovely to speak to you again, by the way. I, mean, we used to, I used to love talking to you when we were on Love Sport, actually, many, many years ago now. But it's lovely mm. to have you on the fan cast, as always. Um, I wish you tremendous luck for the season, but obviously not tomorrow. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. Best of luck for you guys too, and uh, pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, you too, mate. Take Thank care. You. Brilliant to see you, Chris. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Goodbye. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, uh, the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show, to be precise. And of course, I have the lovely Jonathan Kidd with me who's been at Lords all day today like I was yesterday JK shame we weren't there on the same day yes I didn't know you never told me I'd have turned up I know I'm sure I did say something I'm sure I witted on about the fact I was going to Lords you there again no we no longer have season tickets so dad basically bought a couple of tickets for the uh, grandstand and then he decided not to go so I took my best chum Simon who I'd just spent four days with in Nottingham so there you go. But I saw some lovely people while I was there. It was all good, apart from England being dire. But there you go. You had a good day today, though. You saw some good cricket today. Yeah, watch Root be, be um, uh, supreme. Root's a wonderful player. I, I was there for his century in Nottingham last week. And, he, and of course, um, he's brilliant. Sorry, sorry, it was the best century I've seen him yeah, make. Yeah, it, it just makes it so easy in yeah. comparison yeah. with everybody else. Yeah. You've got them of time to play. Your poor, poor old Sibley farting about. The vicar of Sibley, as I call him. Yes. <laughs> The victim, the victim of Sydney. awful player, awful poor awful, man. Awful. Plays in front of his pad all the time. You just keep thinking, well, he's going to get out out of his it. depth, mate. And then poor old Hamid came in, and yeah, uh, I missed that, but I heard about it. Oh, poor boy. Yeah, oh, we've all yeah. been there. Anyway, well, JK and I should shut up talking about cricket because it's not a cricket. But I'd love it to be a cricket podcast, but it's not. So. Uh, and JK and I need no excuse to start talking about cricket. So there we go. Uh, we've also got, of course, the ever so lovely Dan Silver, who, of course, I do know for a fact likes his cricket. Although when I went to Lords with him, we spent most of it getting very, very drunk uh, in the nursery end bars, didn't we? We did indeed. Watch it on the big screen. It's like you heard the crowd cheer. Then we looked at the screen. Oh, there's a wicket. Yeah, we saw about an hour's cricket and then we just stayed in the bar. But there you go. Good to see you, Dan, as always. Uh, right. It's now time for us to talk. Uh, about the Chelsea Crystal Palace match tomorrow, our first game of the season, but obviously from from our perspective, and you know, J.K., I've been I've been winning on about it for a lot of the program um, about our our lack of. I mean, I feel for Tommy Tuchel actually because it's not of his own making, but you know, he mentioned it in the presser today. Different groups of players coming back at different times, and you know, certainly um, the England boys and Jorginho, and I think uh, Silver, you know. Have had very little pre-season, and and it showed on in the match against uh, Villarreal. They really were not just blowing out their ass, but you know they weren't sharp. I mean, I've never seen Mount do as many poor touches in that Villarreal game than I, you know, before. And yet he still did some terrific. terrific he got better. Stuff. He warmed up actually, but his first five or ten minutes was like, wow, who is this person? This is not Mason Mount. But that's match sharpness. They get rusty when they don't play. Yes, I, I I just thought we were we were exceptional in the first half. Even playing six players light, playing six players light from the Champions League win, still thought we were great. Um, but once again, we faced the problem of not not putting the chances yeah. away. You know, the the number of chances we had that went to players that you wouldn't associate with scoring goals. You know, like Zuma having a volley where he probably could have headed it and he would have scored, and uh, 
I can't remember who else. There were a couple of others. I was just thinking, well, if you get a goal scorer, they're in, you're 3-0 up. It's the end of the game. You well, know? And we should have been. And I have to say, the other thing that really annoyed me, I thought Villarreal were rubbish. They were terrible. They were a poor they were side. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Anyway, we we kind of should should talk really about. But then that. they came back into it the second half, and then. But I think emphasizing even the the ridiculousness of of the way they approached it, having scored the goal excellently with a lovely back back heel, they then just shut up shop, yeah, waiting for right. penalty. But do you, I mean? Do you think it's a, a worry for tomorrow? The lack of match fitness and sharpness. I think it's a worry not having uh, anybody to put the ball in the net again like last yeah. year. That's a bigger we're, that's we're, a bigger concern for you. Yeah, because once again we'll create the chances and uh, I, I fear we might score one in the first half and um they'll be back in it yeah. and they they're capable of doing that. They're they're they've got some decent players there. Yeah. And yet at the same time if we do score a couple of goals at the end of that, you know, so. I mean it's very much I think in a weird sense it's probably a bit like the VRL match because you know Palace let's let's you know get this right on paper we should absolutely hammer them. Um, I think on paper we should have absolutely hammered Villarreal, but I think I think that the the lack of match fitness and sharpness is is a great equaliser actually, and I mean thus it proved. I think look how well Villarreal played in the second half compared to us. So you know maybe that is a worry, but I I, I have to say Dan, I think the bigger worry right now is is the loss of Ziyech because I think he's been brilliant in pre season and was looking yeah. really good and really sharp. But I have to say the bigger bigger problem the biggest miss is going to be Kante because he's picked up a knock and he's definitely out tomorrow yeah I mean can't take Kante out of the team is always going to be a huge huge hole to fill I and mean, I think maybe it's precautionary because we've got what is it four huge games coming up after Palace and you think well maybe on paper should be able to beat Palace at home even without Kante we've got Arsenal there's Liverpool and it's City I think isn't it so we've got rather have Kante fit for those games listen it's, it's, it's pre-season it's the first game always a bit rusty Get an early goal, change the whole dynamic. If it, you know, get to 30, 35, 14 minutes, still nil nil, then they'll kind of crowd out the back a little bit. We get a nice early goal, and I think we'll go on and win comfortably. I yeah, mean, Kante, we have to manage Kante now because he's 13. He's obviously prone to soft tissue issues, soft tissue injuries, to speak English. Just I like tissue it. issues, though. It was good. God bless you. We should have enough to beat Palace, I think, as. as Chris was saying they got key players out. They struggle to get in midfield together. If we're if we're on our on our game and on form, we'll, I think we'll I think we'll win comfortably. Well, I think it's down to selections. Well, who's he going to pick? Is well, we'll get, we'll get it. Let's, let's get yeah. into the selection because I've got some ideas on that. But um, I think I think you both make some very good points there. You know, we have. I mean, as we I think proved against Villarreal. I mean, you know, he 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 picked a, a, a pretty much a second team string team really and they were more than good enough to beat Villarreal certainly but judging by how we did in the first half uh but Jonathan you're absolutely right you know the same old I mean it was funny watching it It was this it was like you know deja vu all over again wasn't it they they can't put the ball in the back of the net they create loads and loads of chances and opportunities but they cannot score and one nil up it gives them the opportunity to get back into the game and again. again that's my worry about the fact that we have a squad at the moment who are who are number one not fit number two not sharp and number three had players because you know what they're like nowadays with with the coaching staff they 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 know exactly how minutes they want each player to play in each game to get them up to where they need to be because they know where that level is and that's all gone up the swanee because a lot of them played far too much far too many minutes against Villarreal 
I mean, the weird thing is, I, I love it. I love the fact that Tuchel did that, and Tuchel admitted actually that he said, "Sod that!" Uh, you know, my my game management, squad management went out the window. I want to win this. They'll just have to lump it, and that's what he did because I wanted to win that trophy, and I'm glad he had that attitude. But now he's going to have to deal with it. But the final thing, which is something he also mentioned in the presser, which again I agree with, I think the the positivity mentally of coming home with a, another European trophy before the season's even started is huge. It's very different from when you win the Community Shield that nobody gives a shit about. This is different, and they're going to come back on bloody cloud nine having done that. And I think actually might, that might pull them through in the first few matches, Jonathan. Unless this was the 1950s when winning the Community Shield was an enormous deal. Oh, wow. I remember it well. It was the, cher- it, it was the Charity Shield then, wasn't it? It was the Charity Shield, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I've forgotten your question now because I've been going on. Well, I think, I think winning the Super League on Wednesday oh, no, indeed. might you, actually pull them through, you know? A good word for the, a Philip. A Philip for them mm. um, mentally, philosophically. And uh, and also, we uh, you just saw the immense spirit in the side was... Um, was utterly brilliant. I, I love it when they win a trophy and the players who haven't actually taken part at all go completely berserk as well. I find that very impressive because I'd have thought in other in other eras, people who didn't play resented the fact that they weren't playing, whereas it's now absolutely a squad set up. And well, he has yeah. he has in, instilled this this appreciation of each other's excellence. So it's um it's a joy to observe. I'm just intrigued to see who he'll select. Well, you know what? He he said this uh, again in the presser today, Dan. And again, something very interesting, I think, that, you know, he's he's discovered something about the collective spirit, the team spirit that they have down at Chelsea. There's something he's he, he's really got into and, and really happy that he's found. And actually, that had a lot to do with them. Uh, I mean, I, I don't doubt for one minute they really wanted Haaland, but they've got Lukaku. But that was important to them, the fact that Lukaku gets Chelsea, knows the club, understands the culture. You know, Tuchel's always going on, isn't he, about this is a winning club. You've got to win yeah. stuff here. You can't fanny about. And the players have to know that too. So, you know, it's 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 an interesting point, I think, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. and also I think Lukaku knows the Premier League, so he's not coming in. No, exactly. As, as a novice, so he, knows, he knows what it's all about. So he knows Chelsea. He's played at the very top level, the exception of West Brom and Everton. Or you know, he's played at United, Milan. He 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 won stuff. He knows how to win. He's prime his career. I think it's great. It's like, this is a great squad. You only look at like the social media; these players all together, like you know, the dressing room, like Rudik and Zuma dancing, and then Mason Mount. It's just. It just must be great spirit, isn't it? Ben Chilwell, like he's he's always on social media, just doing stuff, and everyone's laughing at him. So that you know, it's, it, it reminds me a bit of the Mourinho squad when, like, you had Lampard, Terry, all those players with this huge, like, camaraderie and friendship. It's almost like that is kind of building again, because you know the social media is quite a, you know, we don't see inside the dressing room too much, but looking at the social media and the bits of the training ground and so on and so forth on the summer holidays, they are all friends. It just looks so good and so happy. It really must be like a great environment to work in. Chich, can I ask a question? Do you think Chilwell and Rhys James will actually play tomorrow? Well, why don't we get into that now? I, there's one other thing I want to talk about, but I can, I can, that can quite happily go in the end. But what I, I mean, I've, you know, this is the thing. Predicting this match, I think, is going to be really hard. Predicting the lineup is going to be very, very hard. But what I've done is pretty much gone with a lo- you know a lot of his picks per se from the VRL game because i think that frankly at the beginning of that match he picked the the guys who were fit enough 
really, and who'd had a bit of pre-season under their belt. So I'm going Mendy, Rudiger, and by the way, wasn't Rudiger wonderful against Villarreal? That tackle he did that he stupidly... That was never a booking, mate. I mean, God, what's going on? Anyway, Rudiger, Christensen, I think, rather than Zuma at centre-back. But he may pick Zuma because he may think Christensen's had too many minutes on Wednesday and hasn't had enough minutes pre-season. You could say the same about Aspie, although I, I would pick Aspie. Um, Alonso, unless he's knackered from having to overexert himself by running uh, on Wednesday. Jorginho, and I had Kante originally because I wrote this when I didn't realise he was out. So Jorginho and Kovacic. And I think he'll go Hudson-Odoi on, uh, as a wing-back because I think he quite uh, likes Hudson-Odoi there. I personally don't. And then I think he will go... Well, Ziyech is out, so I think that's forced his hand. So I think he has to go Mount. Although he might go Pulisic, of course. He might go... Pulisic had one of his annoying um, dribbles and losing... Man, he's lost his mojo. I mean, since that injury in the cup final, he has not been the same player. No, no. And I wonder if there's a worry there, a a psychological concern. Because he's been... He's been arse gravy since then. Let's be... Let's say it how it is. And I love the guy. I desperately want to see him go... I want to see that player... We saw taking Liverpool apart in that mad game we lost 5-3 or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was brilliant. He was our best player that season. I want him back. Anyway, He could. I think he could easily go Werner Havertz and Pulisic or Werner Havertz and Mount. But the reality is I have no flaming idea. It is really hard to call. What I find doing? it very odd that we were all prophesying how good it would be if he had a pre-season with them because he hardly had any time with them at all. And he doesn't actually have one. And he doesn't actually have one. Yeah. Bloody international tournaments, mate. Yeah, yeah. What can you do? Yeah, he said some of the players back from early doors, you know, like those that weren't involved in. Uh, well, the ones that are never going to play, like Drinkwater, Bakayoko, Rahman. Yeah. I, I think he'll he'll probably pick his strongest team, try and get the game won early, then take players off. That's the thing of go. I think you can't. You need need to start the front foot. I think we'll go a strong team and then make substitutions towards. Does, um, does Abraham have a future at the moment? Are we thinking he'll get into what? this lineup? This. We've only got Lukaku. We haven't got any other strikers. No. Properly. Um, but Batshuayi's arse gravy. He hasn't figured at all pre-season. No, but the thing about is, he's thick as shit tactically, but he knows where the goal is. His goal-scoring record, generally, where he's been, has been pretty good. International level, it's pretty good. We've only got Lukaku. We haven't got any other proper strikers. So, other time he stays and fight for his place, or we're going to be in a secondary striker. So, we can't go with just Lukaku the rest of the season, can we? But I think that business of him always being a kind of make weight in transfers was just absolutely made up in the same way that Alonso is a tran- is a make weight in the Kunde transfer is similarly yeah. ridiculous. You can't have Alonso playing out of his skin in a cup final like that. Keep Alonso's back then, up left back over Emerson. Ab- absolutely. absolutely. He, he was, well, I Emerson is the likely one to go, I think. Well, absolutely. And he wants to go as well, apparently. But yeah, the interesting yeah. thing is, I mean, this is these are the squad numbers, right, which were released today. So it's it's not necessarily the squad, obviously. Uh but it I still think it's quite interesting. We got we got Number one is Robert Fleck. No, we've got Kepper, <laughs> Antonio. They're all in numerical order. Okay, Who are you so, do that? I know. I, I'm, do you know he, he, his birthday was uh, a week after mine? So he, he's exactly he's the same age as me. He, I'm older than him by a week. Did you have the same goal scoring prowess as him? I did actually. Yeah, I was shit. He, he was absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, pretty shit. I was shit, uh, but equally lovable. Anyway, yeah, Kepper, Rudiger, Alonso, Christensen, Jorginho, Silva, Kante, Kovacic. Kovacic, interestingly, has got number eight. 
I think that's. I think that's. A, 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 that's you can't can't give Kovacic number eight. That's Frank Lampard used to wear number eight. What's going on? Anyway, Kovacic has got number eight. Tammy Abraham, Pulisic, Werner, Loftus Cheek, Bettinelli, Chaloba, Zuma, Mendy, Mount, Hudson, Odoi, Chilwell, Ziyech, James, Angerin, Aspi, Havertz, Emerson, Lucas Bergstrom. And Ethan Ampadu. Now, what what is interesting about that, which relates back to what you boys were saying a minute ago, no sign of Barkley, Bakayoko, uh, Batshuayi, who else? Drinkwater. Water, thank you. Baba Rahman. Yeah. Zappacosta. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to get rid of those six players that clearly the club don't want, or certainly Tuchel doesn't. Kennedy. Kennedy, another one. That's free seven. Tra- just give all free transfers, save the money on wages. Can't they just, like, you know, rub them out and pretend they never existed or something? Oh, yeah, give them yeah, but the other... Then they have to negotiate what they're going to get the other end, don't they? Yeah, but if, you, if you've got Ross Barker a free transfer, like a Palace could sign him, for example. Yeah. Buy one, get, get seven free. free. Yeah, yeah, free the Chelsea seven. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Thomas Tuchel and the seven dwarves. Uh, it's a yeah. bit of a. It's. I, I don't see how they're going to get out of that. But there we go. So anyway, look, we don't really know who's going to start. I don't think because I think it's too hard to call at the moment. Until we start getting these players back fit, we're not really going to be able to do that. And then it'll be interesting. And of course, then the next big issue will be what happens when Lukaku turns up. Does he change the system? Who you know? How does he? You know who plays out of Havertz, Mount, Werner, Pulisic? ZH when he's fit, you know, who plays with him. It's going to be fascinating, but we're not there yet. Look, the one thing I wanted to pick up on, which we were kind of getting into a minute ago, was the importance of, you know, hitting the ground running in a league campaign. Um, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, I always remember that horrendous 3-2 home defeat to Burnley, which really set the tone horribly for the season. On the other side of the coin, the 4-0 dubbing by Man United didn't actually set the tone for the season. Actually, the season wasn't too bad at the end of the day. So, you know, it's a bit of a hard one to call, but I think they do need to hit the ground running. But I think they already have. That's kind of my point. I think they have hit the ground running. They've just won a European trophy. It's fucking superb. I mean, that's great. And I think it will carry them through for a few weeks. I really, really do. That's my belief. Dan? Yeah, 100%. It's just that you start the season with a trophy. You can't beat that. You know, all the boys had a great Euros. European champions three months ago. You know, when we lost, we left Stamford Bridge last time. We won six European trophies. We're coming back with eight. You know, this the squad now has two trophies. That winning mentality, which Mourinho always went on about, winning mentality. They've got it now. They won it twice. The squad's only going to get better. Yeah. Can only go forward. Now, Lukaku, we've got that striker we've been crying out for since Costa. It's can only keeping clear of injuries. We can only go one way. Yeah, very exciting, very good times. I definitely agree with all of that. Now, Mister Mister Kid, um, yeah. how, how do you see it going tomorrow then? And a little predictione. Four nil. Four nil. Whoa! Yeah. I hope you put that on your Premier League. Yeah. By the way, everybody, we're up and running, and we are actually now running. It's past eight o'clock, so the Chelsea Fancast Prem Predictions League has started, and it's a real doozy this year. We got like sixty odd people in the league, and. Apart from me, JK, Dan, Mark Meehan, Martin, Mark Worrell, Dane and Dean. So there's a lot of us lot in there competing, as well as you guys who listen to the show. But the best thing of all is that we, Pat Nevin, King, uh, Paul Cannaville is in it as well, and Kerry Dixon. 
They're all in our, in our league. I know this because I spoke to them both today and they're raring to go. But I, I think you can still join it. I mean, you can join in really the league at any time you like. But um, obviously the latest... As I did. Yeah. As I did. I joined very late and therefore finished bottom. Yeah. Uh, I think you were there at the beginning, as I recall, JK. No, no, no. Mm. But anyway... And, oh, yeah, Tony's in our league as well. I forgot about Tony. So we're, we're almost almost a full, full board... A whole lot of us are in there, but... Yeah, you still you can still join. You just join late, which means you won't have won any points, and that will put you at a bit of a disadvantage. Um, but when you see how appallingly we do and get minus points every week, it's not too much of a disadvantage. So do join if you want to join. You can still join. Just go to our. I think I've put it up on our Twitter account and our Facebook page. You'll have the details on how to join as a new player. It costs you twenty quid. It's loads of fun. I mean, everybody who did it last year pretty much all come back. We all really enjoyed it. It's, a, it's very competitive, but a lot of fun, and uh, we enjoy it and commend it to you. So, JK's gone 4 0. Yeah? Hello? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've gone 4 0. Dan, what say you? I'm going to go for 4 1. 4 1. Bloody hell, you two are massively. I'm going 2 1. I, I don't think this, because, you know, we don't have a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net. We just said we hit the ground running, Chidge. Yeah, but we hit the ground running by winning a trophy. And I think that what that will do is that that will mitigate the problem areas that we have. Not having a striker yet. Not being able to put the ball back in the back of the net. Not being match sharp and not being match fit. Okay. I think I think we will win because that will take them over the line. But I don't think you're going to see us play anything like we expect to be able to play. For a few sure. weeks when they're all fit and sharp. And then, of course, you in got front of goal. home supporters for the first time. Yeah, I think that actually that's a good point that that might that might also prove to be, uh, you know, uh, give us a bit of an edge as well. I agree with that. So we shall see. I'm, I'm still going two one. I'm going for a cautiously optimistic two one. So there you go. Right. There we go. And that's it. That's it for us as well. I hope you lot uh, have enjoyed that. It's been great fun being back. I've enjoyed it. It's been lovely to be back doing this, actually. We've had a lot of fun doing all these 50 years shows, haven't we, JK? But this is... Oh, wonderful. This is the real the real McCoy, as they say, isn't it? Well, it's just... It's it's the cement in our season, isn't it? Is. It's the cement this. in my life, mate. You know? Yeah. I'd be nothing without this. Uh, but it's great fun. Really lovely to see you, JK. Dan, always good to see you too, mate. Yeah, and I'll see you tomorrow at the pub. You will indeed. Uh, I have I have very bad news on that front uh, because basically I've, I'm driving up tomorrow. Oh, what? drinking. Uh, Dan, Dan's mortified, horrified, oh. and upset, and deeply disappointed. I know for there are various reasons why I am, but I'm, I'm I'm driving up tomorrow, so I will be paddling light. But I will be there in the pub. I shall certainly have a Guinness or two. I'm allowed that, uh, but I won't be getting shit faced, which is obviously quite a lot of fun but basically yeah there's loads of reasons why but i'm driving up tomorrow that's all you need to know for you I yeah for you. well we'll I'll all be you. there won't we we'll be yeah, a yeah. good old get together got tables of books so yeah yeah maybe we should do a video after the game jk like the old days you up for that yeah yeah definitely right there we go so you heard it here first right we will be back uh obviously on monday me and jk uh for the first monday night chelsea fancast of the season and we will be joined by the wonderful mark worrell and Martin Wickham, and of course we will be looking back at the Crystal Palace match, uh, and uh, then we'll be back again next Friday, and I can't remember who, for the life of me who's on with me and JK, I do know that Adam Newson will be with us as well as the resident journalist, so there you go. Great to be back, uh, I've really enjoyed seeing the boys and uh, having you lot all in Mixler. Uh, thank you for listening, see you next week, until then keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels! the, the chels!
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.